Hi there, everyone. Welcome to the Voice of My Beloved podcast with Brayden and Tally this week. Uh, we're going to be talking about some of the same things that we were, were diving into last week. Tally's back second week in a row. This is pretty amazing. Yep. <laughs> He's able to steal me away from my my home for a little bit here. <laughs> it's been good. It's been a busy week here. Been doing a lot of harp and farm preparations. And the weather's just been beautiful. So just trying to take advantage of all the sunshine out there. And uh, it's just so fun. I love this season. Yeah. It's the best. Yeah. And on the harp and farm note, if you're interested in coming, the deadline for signing up is coming up soon. So uh, let us know. Yeah, we're excited about all that this year has in store. I've been out in the greenhouse getting stuff ready and out in the fields. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be a good year. I was actually just today talking about just how interesting it is. If you look at the life of King Solomon, how he, you know, God says, what do you want? He says, give me wisdom. It's actually interesting in Chronicles. He says, give me a lev shomea. It, that's the actual Hebrew words, which is a, a hearing heart. Mm -hmm. And so he asked this, God, give me a lev shomea. And then you look at a few chapters later over in chapter four, I believe at the uh, first Kings, he says that he has wisdom on animals and trees. It's just fascinating. You know, God, he grants him his request. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you a hearing heart, a lev shomea. And then all of a sudden he has this wisdom about creation. And so I just, I love that connection mm -hmm. Yeah. of yeah. just, you know, having heavenly wisdom and that being connected to taking care of trees and plants yeah, <laughs> and animals. Yep. 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 It's fun. So we're ready to jump in. Yep. Let's go. All right, so we, uh, we're looking, kind of taking off where we left off last week and getting into just the Jewishness of the New Testament. And I think, for me, this was a key point of just being able to process the Scriptures because you basically have two different sides of the coin here. One side, you may have heard of the Karaites, which they just have kind of a solo scriptura. We, we take the Scripture at face value. This is it. And that's kind of a Protestant thing, solo scriptura, scripture only, and uh, which I value that. I have friends that you know maybe come more from that angle, and I, I think that's a, a beautiful, a beautiful thing. There are some weak spots in it, though, when you start looking at some of the passages in the New Testament, and so we're going to get into some of these and trying to just explain a little bit of how Jewish the New Testament is from the perspective that some of these passages in the New Testament have an, inter an interpretive. Mm -hmm. uh, understanding of them. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, we'll look at this passage here, Matthew two twenty three, and he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. Now a Karite person would point to this scripture in the new Testament and say, where's that verse in the prophets? And, and to be honest, it's not, you can't find that exact wording in the prophets. He, he shall, you can, you can look yourself, but you won't find it. He shall be called a Nazarene. What we do find is in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, a branch shall grow out of his roots. So uh, Nazareth uh, Nazareth is a place Yeshua grows up. And this place, you could kind of say branch town. You know, Nazareth is, uh, is, is you could branch town. And so there's, a, there's an interpretive understanding of this verse. He shall be called a Nazarene. He's growing up in Nazareth. Mm -hmm. And so in, in Isaiah 11, verse 1, a branch, a netzer, is the Hebrew word for branch, netzer, mm -hmm. shall grow out of his roots. And so from an interpretive interpretive uh, understanding of this verse, we can see, okay, 
we understand why Matthew said he shall be called a Nazarene, even though that exact line is not in the prophets. But he's growing up in Branchtown. He's the branch. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, first of all, a lot of Christianity doesn't speak Hebrew. And I think that that alone, that fact in and of itself, we are reading an interpreted scripture right? <laughs> that uh, that should kind of keep us in a humble place just right off the bat <laughs> just because you know just how much are we missing just with the language and never mind the culture that came with the language you know and and so um yeah just how many things are in there that that um just just purely from the fact that we don't we don't understand the hebrew the context or the language <laughs> the con- right yes, yeah, there's a yeah. lot there but i i'm saying these things just to basically forewarn believers that there are these people out there that will go around and try to point out these seeming discrepancies in the New Testament and say, look, they're misquoting verses from the Old Testament. Another example is Acts 15, 17. This is really fascinating. But uh, James, you know, he's in the, there's the, the council in Acts 15, the, belie- the leaders of the believers get together. And Acts, in Acts uh, 15, 17, James says, And so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. James is quoting from Amos 9, 12. And Amos 9, 12 does not say that exact same thing. It says that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does this thing. And so James, very Jewish thing, a very Jewish way of interpreting the scripture, he has a... It's it's a paraphrase or an interpretation of a verse. Instead of quoting, you know, the remnant of Edom, which is Edom, is connected to man, which is Adam, he says, so that the rest of mankind, the rest of man may seek the Lord. He's not exactly quoting Amos 9.12. He's giving a interpretation of Amos 9.12. A known interpretation, right? That this is like within Judaism. It probably this is was. part of a discussion that's... Yeah, it, yeah. People have talked about. Probably. Yeah, could it mean you know not only a dome but also a dom? You know, not only Edom but also mankind. Could this verse? And so these discussions happen, and the authors, the players in the New Testament are thoroughly Jewish, and they have this way of interpreting the scriptures. It's not. I, I'm sorry to say for those out there that this might come as a surprise. It may be a surprise to you, but they're not solo scriptura in the sense that they're quoting exactly the way that it's written from the prophets in mm-hmm. some cases. There's a handful of these. Mm-hmm. If you're not forewarned, you might be taken off guard and go, oh, you know, a Karite type person might come along because Karaites uh, do not believe in Yeshua as the Messiah. They'll come along with some of these verses and say, look, you know, the New Testament has all these discrepancies, misquotes, and things like this, and it can knock people away. It can knock people off their faith. Mm-hmm. And so I share this with you just out of, out of a genuine concern for my brothers and sisters that you would be rooted and grounded in love, that you'd be rooted and grounded in your faith, that you'd be aware that these things exist, but it goes, it ties into what I was talking about last week where the New Testament is thoroughly Jewish. Mm-hmm. They have a Jewish perspective on the scriptures, much different than our kind of black and white square interpretation <laughs> or our square view of the scriptures, which like I said, I can appreciate people that have that, you know, real black and white, that a lot of these people are really um, convicted people and I, I can admire that. Mm-hmm. But you'll run into some, some issues if you take that that way of thinking too far and yeah. you can actually be drawn away from yeah. your faith. Yeah, and I think I, I think for me that 
the most concerning thing that I've seen with that mindset is, um, is, you know, when we read the Torah, um, it's all about God addressing a nation and his desire to see his people walk as a, you know, what the, the song we just played, <laughs> to walk, to have, to be brothers dwelling together in unity. And that was the whole purpose of the Torah was to bring people together. You know, we're going to do these feasts and everyone's going to celebrate together. You know, you're going to be brothers and sisters. And this is how you're going to love each other. And this is how you're going to, you know, do these things together. This is how you're going to worship together. And, you know, there's some very strict, you know, uh, like you must get together on these appointed times. You know, the, there's these appointed times, you know, God's heart is for his people to gather together before him and to worship him and to walk before him together. And I think a lot of times um, what we've run into with the solo scriptura thing is um, people have kind of lost the, the heart of the Torah, which is bringing people together. And it's become a place of division the, where the Torah, because of these different ways of reading, different ways of interpreting, it's um, been caused, it's caused splintering uh, within, you know, within fellowships. And, and it's just a, it's a sad thing to see, you know, cause um, I think that above all of the, you know, the little, differences in how you could read a certain verse and stuff. I think understanding God's heart for his people to, um, to be able to come together and worship him together, I think is just, is just such a, a, a higher, you know, <laughs> just a higher, um, rule or a higher law, um, that's on the heart of God. Yeah. And Talia's reminding me of something along this whole topic of discussion. Uh, this plays into when people keep the feast as well. Right. Yeah. You know, so in Yeshua's day, it's known that the Sadducees and the Pharisees kept Shavuot on two different days. Mm-hmm. Now, did Yeshua speak to that? We don't know. But from the Gospels, we sit, we have no we have no uh, writing. We have no we have nothing that indicates that he even addressed it. Mm-hmm. Now, am I saying that it's not important? No, I'm, I, I believe it is important You know, to keep the feast. And now, but what Tally's getting at is that some people will take it so extreme that they'll be like, I have to do it on, you know, the right day in their reckoning. And so it ends up breeding all these different calendars that people, and so it ends up splintering people. I talked to this one guy, he said that uh, the feast became the most unpleasant time of the year because there was actually, I think, three siblings and the parents, and they all were on different calendars. So they all, you know, went separate ways during a a time that was supposed to be about coming together. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said before, I have friends that are, you know, feel strongly about certain calendar issues and I, I can respect them. I can love them. But one of the issues that comes is that we're not able to unite and we're not able to really be, you know, brethren dwelling together in unity. And mm-hmm. so what is meant to be a beautiful thing becomes a very splintered and can even be an unpleasant thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so a while ago, my family, I think being in Israel kind of spoils you <laughs> because you're like, wow, this whole nation is doing the feast together and it's just so beautiful. So, so much joy, rejoicing. They do Shabbat at the same time. They do Shabbat all together. <laughs> it's just amazing. Mm-hmm. And so after being in Israel for a number of years, uh, we just thought, wow, let's just do the feast with the Jewish people. And, and it was such a blessing. Before that, we were more, you know, doing alternate calendars, which, you know, our hearts, I believe, were really to do the Father's will. And... And to, and to, it was, what we wanted to do was to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But what 
as we as we're talking here, we just we want to emphasize that when it becomes everybody separating during a time that is supposed Each to be about doing bringing what's right <laughs> in his own eyes. Yeah, really. everybody kind of just going their own way. It's not really fulfilling. And also think about it from a generational perspective. I touched on this last week. If we don't have a generational perspective on how we're walking out our faith, you know, because I, I, I feel for these some of these groups or some of these fa- individual families that are doing feast on such, you know, even even Shabbat, they're doing it, you know, alternate days and things. My heart goes out to these groups because it's difficult for me to see a generational vision in it. Cause mm-hmm. I, I think well, how likely is it that their children are actually going to keep their exact day when they don't have a community surrounding them? You know, e- even the secular world has, you know, common, there's a culture that unites them. They do Christmas on the same day. They do Easter on the same day, Thanksgiving on the same There's a uniting culture that, you know, all the stores are lined up on the same. The idea that a family can just set their own culture and actually maintain that for generations I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's pretty unlikely though. And I just don't know that it's setting up our children for a good success in holding on to their faith. If we, if we encourage this way of thinking mm-hmm. of just, you know, be, you're a lone ranger, just go out there and, you know, do it just the way you think. Um, yeah, I just, I don't see the generational, what I'm encouraging is that we in some way come together on core truths mm-hmm. and, and we be known by our love ultimately. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's our heart in, in sharing about this. Yeah. And I think too, like, uh, you know, I think all of us have kind of, you know, read the stories about the persecuted believers out there. Right. And, you know, we, I think all of us kind of understand to a certain extent, you know, under the, the situation of persecution, I mean, how many of us would just drop so many of the little petty arguments, you know, that we have on such a regular basis with all of our, you know, with the believers in Messiah that are around us. And, um, you know, and, and you just come together because it's like, wow, we're being attacked from the outside. You know, we need to, uh, really stand with each other right now, you know? Um, and, and I think that the Jewish people, the way that they have, um, developed this this culture is is due to that fact of heavy persecution you know that they've they've had persecution on every side and they um they've really had to say you know what we have to uh look at um you know we we have to keep the family together you know and um even today it's incredible you know the what's going on in israel it's really brought the Jewish people together in, in there's so many people that have just been um, just so renewed in their appreciation for their Jewish identity. And I love to see that. I just love to see that. Cause I think, uh, you know, uh, there's so much of, of the world that tries to say, um, you know, I've, I'm friends with some secular Jewish people and there's this idea like it's really cool to be Jewish, but, you know, if you do anything because of religion, then, you know, it's bad or something. And it's like, do you know what it means to be Jewish? <laughs> like, this is a religious thing. Like, you, this is a God. You are his people, you know. And um, and so anyways, the, you know, the Jewish people have really learned how to pass down a culture. And uh, I think it's it's an it's a really incredible thing uh, for us to to see. Yeah, and I just want to point out too, mentioned this last podcast as well, but so we're encouraging, Tally and I are encouraging people to realize there are, I believe that there are ditches on both sides of this equation. Yeah. We're not encouraging people to pursue Judaism. 
as a you know as their as a walk. We're just trying to point out that the New Testament is very Jewish. Now, in our family, do we you know follow rabbinic um, kosher things? No. Uh, do we do we feel like we're we're obligated to follow the, a strict rabbinic lifestyle? No, we we don't. Um, but what we do want to encourage, though, is a understanding that the Bible is very Jewish, and we want to encourage believers in Messiah to recognize that. Because if we don't, I feel like it sets us up to have a, in a way, an anti-Semitic approach to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And we don't realize just how Jewish they are, how much the interpretation, how much the understanding is really rooted in a lot of Jewish thought. Mm-hmm. And so even going back to the calendar thing, a lot of people are not even aware of how that even developed. So, you know, Jerusalem is ransacked uh, 70 AD. The leaders get together and they say, okay, how are we going to keep a unified faith? How are we going to keep a unified family? Well, and also just to say like part of the reason why Jerusalem was so destroyed and in such a bad place is because brother turned on brother right? <laughs> too, which yeah. is one of the biggest issues they had. Yeah. If you read season. the story, it's unbelievable just how much infighting there was in Jerusalem they, with the Roman army surrounding them. <laughs> yeah, They're surrounded by Roman armies and they're literally, um, destroying each other's food and they die because of right. starvation because um the jewish people turned against the other jewish people and i mean it's just it's one of the lowest lows of in judaism and so yeah it's, and so coming out of that they're going okay you know if we don't have some sort of common thing you know so a jewish person could travel from russia to europe and they're still doing the feast on the same day because of the calendar they, they set up the calendar with a view of let's still be able to do the feast together wherever we are in the world mm-hmm. and so they established that with amazing accuracy really i mean the the feast days fall very close to the, the sighting of the moon mm-hmm. uh considering that it was two thousand years <laughs> out it's a, it's surprising how close that their calendar and some people think you know well they're missing the sighting of the moon uh, as far as setting the date, well, you know, before when they had the actual, the council in Jerusalem, they did sight the moon and they set the feast by the sighting of the moon. Mm-hmm. They realized, okay, we're not going to be able to do that anymore. Jerusalem has been destroyed. We don't have a central leadership. So we're going to establish the feast days ahead of time, you know, looking forward to the centuries ahead. And so that we can still do the feast, a person in America, a person in Russia, Europe, wherever a Jewish person in the world, they can all do the feast together mm-hmm. on the same time. And so that was the view. Now there is a hope that once there's more of a centralized, recognized leadership in Israel, yeah. that they will actually will sight the moon again. I don't know if a lot of people even recognize that, but that is their their what they see as their ideal. Yeah. And so just that to point the, that out, yeah. that, that that is the heart behind it, is actually people being able to celebrate together. Mm-hmm. And if people don't have the insight to realize that it's important to do, you know, coming together times um, to do those things together, then you, you've really lost sight of the beauty of community. You've lost mm-hmm. sight of the beauty of what it means to, worship God together with others. Mm-hmm. And so they had that vision of doing that. And so that's why they, that was their whole motivation for setting the calendar the way they did. Yeah. And I also just wanted to say like they, you know, when uh, it's talking about the sighting of the moon and, and these things, you know, that, that's something that's very serious. It's not like, Oh, we're back in the land. Okay. Yeah. Whatever this guy's going to go and just look for the moon every time. Like the Sanhedrin have to be put in place so that they can write all the rules. What if it's cloudy? What if it's on a cloudy day? What if it's three days late? What if it's whatever, you know, what if you only see a little bit? What if, you know, what if this person sees it here, but we don't see it there? And, you know, they have to write out all of those, those things and appoint people to that 
position, which I don't think, you know, in our... That's not really recognized, is it? That there, there's a lot of contingencies, right? What if you can't yeah. see it? Oh, what if it is cloudy? And so yeah. it doesn't mean they just say, well, we're just not going to celebrate the feast this year. They're, yeah. they're still going to do, they're going to establish, okay, well, this is the closest, you know, so yeah. there's a lot of variables that go into this, this whole equation. Yeah. And so just realizing that I think helps to understand the heart behind it. And, and once again, we're, we're saying this to say, recognize the heart behind it. We're not saying that you have to do exactly what we're saying. We're just saying, recognize the heart behind it. Cause sometimes people jump to conclusions, not realizing the heart that was behind, uh, whatever, you know, things were done, uh, centuries ago. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to recognize too that there are, are a lot of commentaries that were written, you know, starting back 1600, 1700, 1800, that were written by people out of Europe, believers out of Europe that were not really aware of the context in which the Bible was written, of the New Testament particularly. Right. Just that, you know, it wasn't, they were not recognizing this Jewishness of the New Testament. So we've inherited kind of this way of thinking about the Bible that is not very disconnected. Yeah, disconnected from the, the Jewishness of it. And so, to recap, you know, we are encouraging people to be just aware that there are there are ditches on both sides. You can you can fall away from Yeshua by taking the Karite pr- approach of like, you know, every little verse has to be mathematical and, you know, square and and if somebody points out that it's not like that, then you go, "Oh, well, must be all wrong." There's people that leave Messiah that way. And there's people that leave Messiah on the other way. They go too far into the rabbinic Judaism and they end up leaving Yeshua on that side of the the road as well. And so our heart is to encourage people that faith in Yeshua is valid. Mm-hmm. It is it is very important that you that you stay grounded in your faith. All the nations are going to come before the throne of God. There's going to be, you know, every tribe, tongue, and nation is going to be yeah. saying, worthy is the lamb. Yeah. And so that this is an amazing thing. We don't want people to get sidetracked from the beauty of that. Mm-hmm. And so just um, be encouraged out there. We want people we want people to be grounded in their faith. And we hope that these discussions and these insights have strengthened you in yeah. your faith in Yeshua. But you have to recognize that there is a Jewish understanding that helps to actually validify, to solidify your faith as you read the New Testament. Yeah. Yeah. I also, uh, I've just been thinking of Romans 12 and just about um, the body of Messiah working together, um, being one, and just all of those different roles um, that are listed there in Romans in Romans 12, just the servant, the teacher, the exhorter, the compassion, all of the, there's seven of them there. And, um, and I think that, you know, ideally, you're going to be connected with all of those giftings in your life. Like those people are going to be, you're going to be surrounded by those people. And um, I think what, where things can kind of go uh, awry is, you know, you got the teacher and the, a teacher personality. Braden's on the teacher side of things. Uh, he's, you know, very much like, well, it's got to say it. It's got to be, you know, we, we read it and it, we just take it for, you know, how, what that looks like. But the thing is, if a teacher is um, with a, like for me, I'm more of an exhorter, compassion. I love relationships. I'm like, I'm all about just loving people. And for me, I can read the Bible and go, oh yeah, those things don't, you know, I don't really understand that exactly how that lines up. It doesn't up. have to be mathematical for you. No, it, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not so much trying to make all of the, you know, dots connect perfectly. Cause I'm going, I read this and I just see that God loves his people. Like, you know, he just loves his people. And so I'm just going, you know, if that's, 
you know, splitting people up, you know, and, and I think that that's why God has given the, um, all of those giftings, you know, that whole set of giftings. And that's why he wants us all being together so that none of us kind of go too far on one side or the other, because, you know, for me, I can be so about love and, and relationships and stuff that I can, you know, I can let things slip, you know, and get off of truth just out of my emotion and my, you know, relational kind of drive. And, but that's why I need a teacher in my life. But then the teacher needs the, you know, so, so anyways, it's just, uh, it's one of those things. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, God's, God's given us each other to walk with. And I think we just need to understand that's, that's the heart of God. You know, that's, that's where we're all going to end up. We're all going to be together worshiping God. That's the, the end of the story here. <laughs> and, uh, and we need to, to keep vision for that. So. Yes. Amen. So we pray you're encouraged out there. Be blessed. Enjoy this spring weather. It's uh, wherever you, maybe not spring everywhere, but (laughs) (laughs) it's really nice where we're at. (laughs) uh, We pray you're blessed out there. Keep strong in the faith. This is the voice of my beloved podcast. We believe that hearing and following the voice of the bridegroom King leads to the most abundant and joy-filled life. And how pleasant it is.